Hey, welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Sharma Amber and our guest Ruth and Bob Haig, who for 28 years have been hazardous waste remediation. In other words, let's get rid of these toxic wastes in a safe way. You know, I was wondering, as healthy as you folks um, endeavor to be, do you do such things as coffee? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> oh, we found your Achilles tendon. Yeah, we try to keep it down to a cup a day, but then on a bad day we, we go and have you know, special coffee at the coffee shop. <laughs> you know, um, I think that um, uh, reasonable indulgence is healthy to to deal with the loads of stress that we get. So, you know, all of us have our little areas. As long as you don't get it too far out of hand or too chronic that way, I think it actually helps you come back to an equilibrium faster oftentimes. I think that Mark Twain said that everything is good for you if taken in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. Got to use wisdom. (laughs) These people that are drinking 10 cans of soda pop a day probably isn't moderation. So, you know, um, lead-based paint in old homes, I don't think they have that lead-based paint anymore, but in old homes, how much of a problem is that to live in that, or do you have to gnarl on it like a little kid would, or what's that like? Yeah, I guess what we have to say is we have lived in old homes with lead-based paint and um, had children, and everybody's fine. Um, But the basic things are, yes, you do have to chew on the wood, or um, places where, like on windows, where you go up and down and rub the paint back and forth and you get a fine dust, you have to keep cleaning that up or oh. else um, that could be ingested. That makes sense. How about asbestos? Asbestos is less of a problem uh, these days. It may always have been less of a problem, Yeah. but um, lead-based paint is something that small children can get exposed to every day in a home. Asbestos is something that... It, is pretty easy to manage properly uh, to wrap it and uh, prevent it from being kicked into the air. Yeah. So if you have lead-based paint, does it work to just paint over it with non-lead-based paint? Is, does that take care of the problem? It, um, it's probably it will help some, but the biggest thing with the lead-based paint is proper cleaning. Um, if you if you're worried about the dust that falls on the floor when you have small children crawling around on the floor, and you want to pick that dust up with uh, what's called a HEPA vacuum, high efficiency particulate vacuum. Otherwise, you just spread it all around the house. You guys are scientists, aren't you? Yes, we are. <laughs> so it, it, oozes out of your out of your cells. It out. <laughs> that, that's not a vacuum that puts it into water. I think that would work well. That should work. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about um, just eating fish or um, uh, animals that you hunt? Uh, is is there problems there with the um, chemicals, bad, bad chemicals? It, it depends what part of the um, country you live in. And where we are, um, our fish have chemicals. Um, mercury is our biggest concern here, and we're and only... And PCBs. And PCBs. And we're instructed to eat, um, we're right on Lake Erie, and we're instructed to eat fish um, from Lake Erie only once a month. Oh, my. And it's that bad. Yeah, well, but then no one follows that, but Bob and I do. <laughs> yeah. So PCBs, I hear that all the time. Exactly what is that? Um, PCBs are a chlorinated compound. Whenever you have chlorine in a compound, it causes the 
chemical to stay around for a long time. Ah, chlorine. Mm, so polychlorinated means it's got a couple of chlorines in it. And uh, it, it's a chemical that was originally a fire tart retardant oil. Um, this chemical just sticks around and sticks around, and uh, it tends to concentrate through the food chain. So we tend to find it in the fatty tissues in our liver and things like that because we eat creatures that ate creatures that ate PCBs. Right. So with all this toxic stuff that we keep accumulating, is it possible to have uh, to do some sort of a gentle detox in our body all the time that just sort of keeps gently removing the stuff? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to avoid adding it, and then our bodies are typically moving a lot of it on, on through. Yes, but you know what, Bob? The truth of it is, is people are not avoiding it. Yeah, like you, like you just said, you're supposed to eat only once a month out of Lake Erie, but very few people follow that. So, because people want what they want when they want it, they don't want to honor what's best necessarily for themselves. So, given that, I would think that if they were maybe interested in doing some sort of gentle detox to keep flushing the stuff out. Yeah, although we don't know much about that because yeah. we've never tried it. So. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> you know, um, I'm very aware of my body, more aware over the years. And um, I can be around, uh, like, take some bad food or n- not as healthy as it could be or be out by some sprays. Mm-hmm. And I can f- feel it, the foreignness and the uncomfortableness of it coming into my system. It's like makes me sort of fidget internally. And then I can feel my good body. We all have wonderful, miraculous bodies. I can feel my body systematically process it out. And and I'm so grateful because I can tell it's processing it out. But the downside is, is it takes out of my virtue or out of my well-being temporarily while it's processing that junk out of my system. So, like you say, to avoid it means that I don't have to have the downtime to process it, and some things are more difficult to process than others. It takes right. longer time, does more damage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's see. You have injection wells and landfills around that and stuff. Tell us about that kind of thing. Well, we, we took a, a quick look at uh, conditions in Hawaii to see if... Uh, you folks, and in the uh, in the uh, West Coast states, to see if you folks might have comparable things to what we have here in the industrial Midwest. And I'm I'm thinking that you might not have some of the things that we have. No, we don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we had old, a lot of old uh, pineapple and and uh, sugarcane plantations, which I think they sprayed a lot here. Sure, sure. And we noticed in some of the listings of sites for for Hawaii that um, it seems more that some of your defunct plantations may have become accumulating places for waste, but it looks like you have more dead cars than uh, hazardous waste. (laughs) We're thinking about moving. (laughs) And that's good. So I think you mentioned before, you know, if if we want to find out what kind of possible hazardous waste is in our area, is there... Some number to call or some company or... Website? We did, uh, what we always do for this kind of thing is we go to the web 
and we enter a few keywords like uh, enter the state name and then um, landfill, underground injection, and brownfields. I guess hazardous waste doesn't hurt either. Okay. And you'll find some very interesting things uh, turn up, uh, less interesting in your state than in ours. Yeah, you'll have to do Hawaii for, I mean, Ohio first and see, see what you See get. what it really looks like, the old granddaddy there. Right. So what are brownfields? Uh, uh, brownfields a concept that uh, uh, is, is an attempt to take an old industrial site, and the original idea was to make it safe enough to put a new industrial site on it. Now, the trend has been more to taking old industrial sites in our area and turn them into condominiums. Yes. And we feel uncomfortable with that. Is, oh, I is, bet. Is that because of all the toxins everywhere? Yeah, it's the uncertainty. There, you know, With an old industrial site, and a hundred-year-old industrial site is usually an attractive building for people to move into, a loft-type apartment or yeah. condo. But a hundred years of, of contamination leaves us with a lot of uncertainty about what may have been there. So you're in a, a historic area at, with old industrial fill there. How is your vegetable garden? <laughs> we don't have one. <laughs> For just that Actually, reason, huh? Yeah, we live um, two blocks from Sandusky Bay, um, which is right part of Lake Erie, and yeah. I don't I don't think we're on fill. I think we're on original land, but we know our backyard is full of cinders and glass and all kinds of debris. Um, so we have, right now we have herbs that we have planted in pots, and we're, we keep discussing how we're going to have a raised garden um, to, to do our vegetables. You know, you can do that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and what do you think is in the land there that where you are? We actually know um, about... Two blocks away from us is a brownfield site uh, that's being redeveloped with state money. And that means that they did a lot of testing of the soils a few blocks away from us. And the key contaminant is probably arsenic. And I believe that's usually, I believe that that's there because of old coal ash that was used to fill in some of the areas. Oh, I see. Just so we, as a qualifier, though, we are living in two buildings that um, used to be apartments. They weren't factories. So you right, but we're still. Uh, I'm concerned enough about the potential for arsenic that we don't have a garden. So um, let's say you have one of these old pot billy stoles up on the hills, and you use coal. Is there likeliness to have arsenic in the air a lot from using the coal in that kind of setting? That's an interesting question. I, I think the arsenic concern will be more in the ash. And it, it will be more of a concern if you generate coal ash at the scale of a power plant. Oh, like oodles and oodles. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then so you, you pile all that thing in one place, and a lot of the ash percentage is arsenic. Well, you might say the arsenic is a very tiny amount in there, but the ash is so volume is so large, and then when water seeps through it, oh, it can bring that arsenic and other things besides arsenic uh, seeping on out. So you yes. must be pretty concerned about our water table. Your water table or all of ours? All of ours. Because yours is very sensitive. Yeah. We have a really good water filter, let me tell you. We don't go near that <laughs> in water. Our home. Yeah. Let me tell you. But in general, not ours, but in the general. The quality of water that people are drinking. Yes. Tell us about that. 
Well, let's see. We live on Lake Erie, so we're drinking Lake Erie water that's brought in and treated, and we feel pretty comfortable with ours, but maybe it's because we know the guy that's running the water treatment plant and we yeah. trust him. So you drink it straight from that water treatment plant? Yeah, we do. Okay. E- Erie's had a lot of pollution in it <laughs> yes, over it the has. years. Um, it's gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. Isn't that nice to see? Yeah. Now, our daughter lives in Phoenix, and we were just out there last week in Arizona, and they are dependent on their water table and I thought their water seemed fine. They they didn't seem to like it very much. Um, but we're worried about them running out of water in Phoenix. Right. They're not, but yeah. we are. <laughs> Semi-desert there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in general, in, in the United States, do you think the water table has been ruined by a lot of this toxic? Now, um, what happens is when you when when it is ruined, it's ruined in kind of a concentrated area. I guess there's two kinds okay. of problems. So one is if you have, let's say you have an industrial source of contamination yes. in a river valley, and the river valley supplies the water, there are areas that we know about where the water supply is, is definitely ruined, will be ruined for a long time, and the only way that it can work is it's pulled out, filtered through carbon, and then fed to people. That's the, that'll be point by point, city by city. Um, then the broader concern is um, uh, chemicals that are applied, um, pesticides that are applied over broad farming areas yes. that can contaminate broad areas. And there is there is some quite a bit of concern about the potential for those chemicals to reach groundwater over a broad area. And how did they go about cleaning up Lake Erie? Well, mostly we have to stop putting crap in Lake Erie. Yeah. I and think that was our, the biggest step to stop yeah. industries from putting things in. And but. that happened? Oh, yeah. Industries, yes, but we're on a, I don't know, would it be a 20-year plan to stop putting our human waste into Lake Erie? Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's, that's our problem. We have what, what are, are we? Com- combined sewer overflows, so whenever we have a big rainstorm, the storm sewer goes into the into the lake. What are we thinking? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> are, are we thinking? No. <laughs> You know, years ago, there was a lot of people picketing the nuclear power plants, and now the same people are really clamoring to have them come back because of global warming. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that and the task of dealing with the waste of the nuclear product afterwards? Um, Very interesting question. Uh, The short answer is we are in favor of safe nuclear power. Us too. Do you want the longer answer? Yes. Yes. Okay. Having worked for a power company that is based on coal, I have seen the enormous um, valleys being filled with coal ash. Uh, we don't we don't normally recognize how much land is laid waste by coal mining and then by the ash that comes from the coal. Now that same company that I worked for had one nuclear plant, and the waste that was generated by that plant was tiny. Compared, yeah. Yes, and that that's a big deal. Yeah. The the um, <clears throat> the the pollution is way less uh, in the air, and the pollution is way less on the ground. Yeah, it's just that the uh, the form of nuclear power is simply more dangerous to manage. It requires more careful management to keep it safe. Yeah, right. Yeah. No joking. No messing around. You got to do this right. But they're getting better at that, aren't they? Um, I think they've always been pretty good at it. Yeah. And um, uh, certainly some of the scares that we've had have 
caused us to improve our measures, our safety measures. But um, the the level of care that has gone with nuclear plants is just amazing if you've worked with both nuclear and coal. That, and it has to be that way. Yes. Uh, Three Mile Island, what happened there? Um, I, I think that... They uh, nearly had a breach, is that what they, they had? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we're, we're hesitating because we're not totally familiar with the details of Three Mile Island, but um, they either nearly had a breach or they had a small released in a fairly contained area yep. and I think the thing is it was just frightening that the systems could break down to the point where a release was possible. So the, the media really rammed on that one sounds like. Yeah because it is so frightening to think uh, uh, to compare it to what uh, happened in Chernobyl. Oh yeah Right. Big mess Okay you guys are listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber your spiritual lifestyle experts our guests today Ruth and Bob Haig, who for 28 years have been in hazardous waste remediation. They have lots of wisdom on how to do things right. Stay with us. We got more. <laughs> 